For our sermon today, we will focus on the words from 2 Samuel chapter 19. Um, I'd like to just review a couple of the verses that are found there. If you go to verse 7, it's on page 7 in your bulletin. Verse 7 says, Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth till now. This is the word of our Lord. When I first moved to Queens, I met a person who was incredibly distressed. I still remember the words he said to me. He said that he, was, he had terrible credit so bad that he couldn't even get a cell phone. He said he had no money. He said that his possessions were in, in danger of being taken from him. And he said the government was after him because they were even threatening uh, jail time. And I said to him, what did you do? He said, well, I didn't pay my taxes. So I said back to him, well, pay your taxes. He said, you don't understand. I haven't paid my taxes in over a decade. I owe thousands and there's nothing I can do about it. You see, he had such anxiety about this April 15th due date that when it finally came up, he just ignored it and hoped that the problem would go away. Instead of that happening, it escalated something that was now out of his own control. Another woman noticed that she had a lump on her chest. And because she had such anxiety about seeing the doctor, she didn't go. She didn't want to hear any bad news. Eventually, she was forced to go. And by that time, the cancer had spread so rapidly that they tried chemotherapy, they tried surgery, but finally she died. That woman was my grandmother. And I know I've talked to some of you, too, about in your own family, maybe there's some family feuds going on, some people that you simply don't talk to anymore because of something that happened in the past. Something that could have been dealt with right away with a little bit of confrontation and some forgiveness, but instead it was not dealt with, it was ignored, and it spiraled out of control to the point now where you don't think a resolution is even possible. And now there's a lot of uncomfortable Christmases and family gatherings. And maybe some of you know someone who is dealing with a temptation. Maybe you are dealing with a specific temptation yourself. And instead of dealing with it, you've ignored it and just are hoping that the problem is going to go away, which you and I both know is a lie. You see, we live in a sinful world, and living in a sinful world means that we have to deal with problems on a daily basis. And even if you are somebody who tries to deal with your problems as quickly as possible, you and I all understand what it's like to say, well, this problem I'm just going to brush under the rug. I'm just going to kick the can down the street a little bit longer and deal with it later. And at times, that problem spirals so far out of our control that we do nothing about it. As parents... Some of you who are parents, you know what it's like when you get home from work and you're just too tired to discipline your children. And you think to yourself, I'll deal with that another day. And you have to wonder, how many times can you do that before you turn your child into a spoiled brat or it affects them later on in life? Some of you or someone you know may be avoiding the doctor because last time you talked to them, they wanted to put you on a specific medication. 
And you've been avoiding them, hoping that the problem is just going to take care of itself, which you know is not going to happen. Some of you are struggling with some emotional problems. And you know that you should probably see somebody, but you just feel like, you know what, I'm hoping it will just go away, which you know won't happen. And others of you are struggling yourself with a specific temptation. And you're not sure where to go for help. You're not sure what to do, so you simply have not dealt with it. See, so often you and I, we believe this lie that it's easier to avoid our problems than to face them. That's exactly the lie that David, King David, believed in our lesson for today. See, our lesson that we read for today comes from 2 Samuel chapter 19. But the problem actually started way back in chapter 13, almost a decade earlier when King David just didn't feel like dealing with the problem at hand. Let me just give you a a summary of what happened in the last six, seven chapters of 2 Samuel. King David had a son named Amnon who sexually assaulted his sister. And Absalom, another one of King David's sons, was furious about it. And King David did not deal with the problem at hand until finally two years later, Absalom's rage had gone completely out of control and he killed his own brother. And on that day, King David didn't just lose one son, he lost two because Absalom fled the country and was gone for quite some time. King David finally asked for Absalom to come back home and he did, but he also said that he didn't want to see his face. And not just for a day or two or a week, but for two years, they didn't see each other, they didn't talk. At the end of chapter 14, we see this this resolution between the two, where Absalom comes, and King David's there, and it seems like everything is going to get better. But obviously, the problem had spiraled so far out of control, even that resolution didn't solve the issue. Because the very next chapter, in chapter 15, the title says, Absalom's Conspiracy. Absalom was conspiring against his own dad. Where it says that every day he would wake up in the morning and he was campaigning against his dad. He would be talking bad about the king and saying that if he were in charge, things would be different. That people would get justice. Their voice would be heard. And Absalom didn't just do that for a few days or a week. He did it for four years, it says. Four years. And it sounds as if King David did absolutely nothing about it until the problem spiraled out of even King David's control. To the point where we see King David fleeing the city with his family because Absalom had gained so many followers and then finally Absalom took over the palace. These problems spiraled out of control to the point where we see a civil war taking place just before this lesson 20,000 soldiers died. Absalom finally was killed. And King David felt an incredible amount of grief and sadness as we've seen in our lesson for today. All because he did not deal with the problem that he had at hand right away. It seems that the problem could have even gotten worse too. Because after Absalom was killed, King David was thinking about his son Absalom rather than all the troops who had just risked their lives for him. And he was humiliating and shaming the soldiers. Things had gotten out of control. 
But yet the comfort that we see in this lesson comes from one of the chapters beforehand where King David says this. As he was fleeing the city, everything was completely out of his control. This is what he says. He says, It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. See, that is, King David realized that even though everything was completely out of his control, everything was still in the strong grasp of his Heavenly Father, who is powerful and who is loving. And we can be sure of that too. Life can sometimes, and problems can sometimes, get so far out of our control that we don't know what to do. That doesn't mean that our God has lost control of the situation. If you go back to the greatest problem that we have ever had, our sin, just consider how our God dealt with that problem. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and it was like the crack in the dam that that unleashed this flood of sin and other problems in this world so far out of control that, that we could do absolutely nothing about it. We were on our way to hell. And yet our Savior came into this world. Our God had a plan with our Savior who would live in your place, who would die for you in the cross, remove every last one of your sins, so that you could be assured that hell was no longer an option, but heaven was yours. Even though everything had spiraled out of our control, our God had a plan for us. And if our God took care of the biggest problem that we have, how much more so can we be sure that He is going to take care of the comparatively smaller problems that we face in life. He starts, first of all, by forgiving us for not dealing with those problems that we should have dealt with earlier. But then he continues by guiding us and helping us through those problems. It's kind of like a a father who continuously bails his son out of prison. That's how loving and powerful our Heavenly Father is. You know, I have... I, as long back as I can remember, I've, I've always been a Christian. After I was baptized as a baby, my, my parents brought me up into God's Word, and I, I know that's not the case for all of you, but it was for me. And so maybe you can understand this better, but I don't, I don't, I can't understand what it would be like to not be able to depend on my God when everything has lost control. I don't know what it would be like to, if everything is out of my control, to have to continue to depend on me to fix a solution when I don't have one. That's the joy and the comfort that we have as Christians. We always have a fallback plan. When we don't know what to do, our God is always there for us to pick us up, and He knows what to do. Every single time. Maybe some of you have prayed a fallback plan prayer that sounds something like this, something very simple, but it sounds like, Lord God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this situation. Please help. Have any of you prayed a prayer like that? And what happens when you think back to those problems when you were truly stressed and didn't know what to do? What happened? Did God have a solution for you? He did, didn't he? It was in His control all along. I think that after discussing this lie, that it's easier to avoid our problems than to face them, we understand that it's not something that we want to believe, not something that we want to 
um, get in the habit of it. And I think when we, when we hear this lie, we know the solution right away. Well, it just means I need to deal with my problems sooner, make sure that I, I do something about it. But, but saying that is kind of like telling an alcoholic, just not, don't drink anymore. No, they need help. They need support. And so do we. And that's what we see in our lesson for today. King David, even though life had completely spiraled out of control for him, it actually could have gotten worse. Until a friend came to him, Joab, and told him what he needed to do to deal with the problem instead of ignoring it. Do you remember what happened in our lesson? Remember King David had, was shaming and humiliating his own soldiers who just risked their lives for him in a civil war. Typically what happens after a battle when, when the, the army wins, there is a parade, there is a, a party. But that's not what happened today. Instead, it says those men went back to their houses ashamed as if they had fled the battle. They had that type of shame on their heads. And it's all because of the king who felt more sorry about his own son, who was the enemy, when he died, rather than feeling love and having a spirit of, of celebration with his soldiers. And so it was Joab who came to him and said, listen, if you don't do something now, get up and deal with this problem. By tomorrow you will not have one soldier left who is loyal to you. And so King David got up, he went into the town square, and he talked to the soldiers. Right? See, there's going to be times when you are faced with a problem that you don't simply feel like dealing with. And that's when you're going to need a friend. And sometimes you're going to be that friend who sees the problem that somebody else in your life is not confronting and they need encouragement. And it might be you who takes to the doctor one of your friends because they have such anxiety about it. And you go with them or simply encourage them to go. It might be you who has a family member or a friend who has this family feud going on and you can remind them of two very powerful phrases that they can use. I'm sorry and I forgive you. It is very difficult to hate someone and have a, hold a grudge against someone who is constantly throwing around the words, I'm sorry and I forgive you. It really is. But finally, and most importantly, when you see someone who is struggling spiritually, we can be a friend to that person. In Matthew chapter 18, in our gospel lesson that we read for today, our Savior gives us specific steps of what to do when a person has fallen into a sin. And what you'll notice there in those steps, it doesn't say just cross your fingers and hope for the best. It doesn't say just, just don't worry, everything's going to just take care of itself. It doesn't say even simply pray for them. It says get up and go to them. Talk to them about it. Confront them about that sin. And I know that when I say that, that sounds like one of the most countercultural and uncomfortable things that we can possibly do. But these are the directions that our Savior gives to us to deal with our problems right away so that they don't spiral out of control. You see, sometimes when a person prays that simple fallback prayer when they don't know what to do, sometimes you are the answer to their prayer. So today we, we ask our God to not only keep problems from us in our lives, but we ask our God to, when those problems come to us, that we deal with them right away. And that when those problems spiral out of control, 
we know that we are in the hands of a loving God who is caring for us and a powerful God who can solve any problem. Amen.